Welcome to the Possum Times. Hey everybody, welcome to a special midnight edition of the Possum Times as we complete what I think all of us here rightly consider the actual Holy Trinity. We are going to be reviewing today at long last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, widely regarded as the best of the three movies. We're going to debate this. <laughs> We're going to debate this intensely here Whoa. in the Possum Times. But as as we've got the original, appropriately, we have the original trio here lined up. To my left, we have the Red Bandit, and to my right. And I'm Double T's, and we're going to dive right in, as per usual, with a plot synopsis from Pop Pop. The four turtles travel back in time to the days of legendary and deadly samurai in ancient Japan, where they train to perfect the art of becoming one. The turtles also assist a small village in an uprising. What is that, that train to become one part? Where did that come from? <laughs> that's in no way part of the actual movie. Uh, maybe that's in the deleted scenes. Uh, we did watch the theatrical cut. I, I do wonder if there's an extended edition out there. Uh, it did seem like they left a lot on the table of this movie. I felt like it definitely could have gone on longer. Uh, but Red Bandit, what did you find to be the main themes of Turtles 3? Uh, there's a lot of interesting themes in this. I think the first that really stood out to me was east-west relations mm -hmm. and we're so we're seeing the opening up of japan the interaction with different culture and we see two very divergent uh methods of interaction we see the merchants who are basically mercenaries cut and trying throats, to yeah. cut throats trying to take advantage of the japanese mm. and then we see the turtles who do a really good job of integrating yeah. into Japanese culture and learning about the local society. From the people up. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a uh, you know, very interesting theme. Number two is, I think this movie takes a really interesting approach to science. Okay. It's sort of a love-hate thing. Okay. Uh, so on the one hand, when, when they see the Walkman uh, in ancient Japan, they hate it and they smash it and yeah. accuse it of devilry. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, when the honor guard are in the future in new york and mm -hmm. they see the television they're mesmerized by yeah. it yeah so i think there's a very conflicted response to technology not only on the ancient japanese mm -hmm. but also uh amongst the turtles yep so you see Raphael very clearly going against industrialization when he <laughs> when he gets back to ancient japan and in fact uh both Raphael and Leonardo don't want to leave at the end yeah they've sort of given up on modern society they found their real home yeah yeah and powerful. And the third theme is prophecy mm. and the fulfillment of prophecy. Mm -hmm. And we see very early on a awesome anime scroll of ancient <laughs> turtles yeah. who defeated the, what's the bad guy's name? Uh, which one? There's Walker and then there's also, also Noriaga. Noriaga, Lord Noriaga. Yeah. Who defeated Lord Noriaga's ancestor. And it's never explained why there was a prophecy or yeah. who these uh, old turtles were. There's also references to witchcraft throughout. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's 
it's leaving the door open for them to have another time travel adventure, mm-hmm. like go back even further in time yeah, and yeah. defeat some other people. Either that, or it'll be like a, maybe this is the start of a new trilogy. So this is when they went back to the future, and the next one they'll go deeper into the future and beat some kind of futuristic Noriaga Walker monster. <laughs> Mecha Noriaga. <laughs> That's right. And then, then the third one, they'll be in the Wild West. The timelines get really complex here. They do, they do. <laughs> but presumably they, they'll just leave the Foot Clan completely behind them. This is this is a major problem that I had with this film. They came up with a, a crappy sci-fi premise and then put turtles into it. Like it had you, would you nothing call it, would you to call do. Would you call it sci-fi or would you call it samurai film or would you call it a western? They keep on alluding to Clint Eastwood and trying to make it a western. It's more fantasy than sci-fi. More fantasy, you know, maybe. more sci-fi. Maybe, more, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a great mystery. Yeah. A uh, <laughs> <laughs> little bit. A little bit. Yeah. No, I, I mean, there was, there was some areas of continuity. Um... Between the second uh, Turtles film and this one, yeah. really, they finally they they decided to keep uh, Paige April Tur- O'Neil. Paige Turco. Paige Turco returns. Uh, who was actually great. I really, mean, like, she was on the screen. I find I found myself my blood pressure going down a bit. <laughs> um, she calmed your angry soul. She really did. Yeah. She really did. How did she manage that? Um, Swing. <laughs> her acting ability and and yeah she she's a very um i thought she was kind of pretty but uh but, but yeah i mean the, the she I, her I think haircut? i loved her haircut i think we should though unpack that schwing thing a little bit all right is it sexist uh, well, no, well, we gotta set the scene for our listeners just in case they haven't seen it in a while or they don't remember the context. Yeah, so so Paige Turco uh, shows up, or pardon me, April O'Neil shows up in medieval Japan wearing a samurai's outfit. Yeah, and it's then baggy, baggy pants, and you know, baggy top, baggy boxy top, top. boxy mm. top, baggy pants. Very eighties, early nineties. Yeah, in that regard. And then Shoulder they pads. go into the woods <laughs> yeah. and uh, where she cuts up the the pant legs and pulls them off and suddenly she's wearing a mini skirt and you can see her lovely legs and uh, the turtles look at her and say something like something really dumb like legalicious or <laughs> bodacious legs or you know something equally retarded and then they they say schwing yeah and then they do a hand motion they too. do a hand motion and what does that hand motion simulate Explain is, it. Is it, a lewd, is it a lewd gesture? <laughs> I think it's mimicking pulling a, a sword out of a out of a sheath scabbard. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it, it, but it was very jarring, and I didn't think it belonged there. Um, Not in the kids' movie at all. Uh, what do you think the implications were? I think that I don't know. I wonder if it if it harmed the box office sales because it was in the preview. Oh, yeah. Um, among the special features on the DVD is the theatrical trailer, mm-hmm. and uh, they show that little clip, and it was just as jarring in the trailer too. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> I hated this movie. But <laughs> we can keep talking through well, it. Well, bit. yeah, I'll, I'll just just walk us through a little bit. The movie opens with uh, a blazing hot red sun, and we see the profiles of four samurai running through the sunset. Really sets a the deep 
and sincere tone that I thought would follow throughout. So you see this sequence, samurais riding against the red sun, you see the samurais riding along the, the beach as the sun is, is rising, and then uh, moments later, almost in a very jarring way, all of a sudden we're in the sewer in modern times, mm. and then the, the turtles are there all of a sudden, all four of them. But what I found... Dancing. They're dancing. They dance right in to kick things off. But these turtles look look different than they did in TMNT 2 and very different from how they looked in the original Turtles. Whereas in the first first movie with, with real people, they, they looked gritty. They had kind of an edge. They're a bit dirty. In, in, in Turtles 2, they, they retained that to some extent, but maybe with a little bit more of a cartoony edge, which we discussed back in Possum Times episode. Turn. <laughs> just insert a computer-generated <laughs> voice thing. Um, and then, uh, but for this one, they were just straight-up cartoons. Did they have teeth in the first two? I, that was a good question. I actually marked that down. The teeth were very pronounced here. Yeah, a lot of awkward smiles. Yeah. A lot yeah. of awkward smiles. Very big, toothy grins, and, and just the way that their mouths are articulating. A very sock puppet-like. It was I like a Chuck fair. E. Cheese model. I mean, yeah. it was really... Really terrible. Yeah. Uh, but the or reason terrifying. for this, of course, is that they didn't have the budget to use Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So this they was went so, to, so they just had to, to Bim Benson's shop. <laughs> His lesser known Zing. Some some back alley Muppet shop. <laughs> no, and I mean throughout the film, I mean there's just. Well, A, their creepy little eye movements, their creepy little mouth movements, their creepy little teeth. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, you know, throughout the film, you can see the, the, the line between the mask mm -hmm. and, the rest of, of the, and the rest of the turtle the body. The suit. Yeah. Which really does a lot to create the illusion of, uh, of a man wearing a, a turtle costume. <laughs> one, one area they didn't skip on, turtle freckles. Yeah. There were a lot of so turtles. many turtles. <laughs> that could be an investment tip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there were a lot of spots. In fact, they mentioned it explicitly at yeah. one point. He's like, "Wow, I think I my spots are hot. My spots hurt." I don't remember something. them being that freckly in the first one. No. I don't think they were. I think this was part of the new look turtles. Yeah. So another another thing that came up. So they're dancing at the start in the in the sewer, and then uh, Paige Turco kind of comes down and she's got her sunglasses on and her cute little biker jacket and mm. she's talking up going on vacation and one of the first things that the turtles say to her is you know you're having a good hair day a good hair day and i found that like the hair was a theme in this because it comes up again later with with noriaga with his hair yeah. Him having a good hair versus bad hair day. And so. where Leonardo takes his manhood by snipping his ponytail. Snipping the tip of his hair. His cue. Is that what it's called? No, I don't think it's called. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing if that was right. Asian culture moment with Pop Pop. Excellent. Well, uh, so so then they they have this exchange and and Paige Turco um, April has been you know scavenging some dump and she finds all this crap to add to the turtles crap collection in the sewer and there's like an extended sequence where like she gives a lampshade to Michelangelo and they're all captivated for about five minutes doing different things to be funny with the lampshade. And then, you know, so she's got all this, this junk, and then, like, the last thing is this, like, antique. 
How would you describe the, the antique Red Bandit? A rod, a scepter. <laughs> yeah, scepter. Uh, lamp post. Scepter, recalling our second episode of the Possum Times, Dungeons and Dragons. But it's not just any scepter, right, Pop Pop? No, it possesses magical powers. Uh, for whatever reason, sometimes it'll start glowing. Mm-hmm. And there's a little hourglass on a pin in the in the top of it, and it starts spinning around, and then the wind starts blowing, even if you're underground. Mm. And lightning flashes everywhere, and you trade it's places. It's the quickening. It's the quickening, basically. Uh, except a lot shittier. And they... <laughs> You don't have to bleep that out. Um, and then they get they trade places with someone uh, in in ancient Japan. Not just anyone. People who weigh the exact same amount as them, uh, which is so. so could, could one of you explain to me the the science behind this? So so the, in order for that to work, they both have to be holding the scepter at the exact same moment. Right? And they have to weigh the exact same weight and be holding it at the exact same moment. And then he runs the reverse integer and the flagellum theorem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, Donnie, who played beautifully by Corey Feldman, really gets at the hardcore science of this. But it just just how does that work? To, be, to hold something, to be doing something with an object at the exact same moment as someone doing it 500 years earlier? Or fate. Yeah, it's like gotta be fate. so. So, like, are, there, are these two worlds running simultaneously in some sub dimension? Multiverse, yes. We might be dealing with the multiverse. Yeah. Pop, pop. Explain. Doesn't make any sense to me why some of the things on their person are transported, like their samurai swords. Other things are not. Mm. Um, I found that to be a huge continuity error, hmm. and I think that kind of blows a hole in the multiverse theory. Well, it's it's a tough thing dealing with time travel. We've seen it in some of our other films, notably Highlander Two, and I bring up the and Highlanders gore. and Gore. And Gore. Gore is a good example. Great one. Gosh, we need to watch that sequel next. Don't use the word "great" and "gore" in the same. <laughs> well, it's it's just funny. I wanted to loop this back to Highlander because uh, this this movie lifted heavily from it uh, with. Uh, Rather than Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, played by Sean Connery, we get the mysterious Walker, who definitely borrows some of uh, some of Ramirez's flamboyance. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Ruffles. 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 That's what they call him because he's he, so he's an English, uh, he, he's an Englishman who keeps finches and sells arms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, did you feel like the real bad guy in this movie was Walker or Noriaga? It was absolutely uh, Walker. I mean, Noriaga is portrayed as a man sort of stuck in his stuck in his position. I mean, okay. he's not a nice guy, but he has to abide by the sort of customs of his position in life. And um, so, so, so he's the he's the head of the Japanese Dominion. What's the word? The Shogun. Shogun. The Shogun. But why is okay. he? Do we ever learn why he's attacking the village? Or is that just irrelevant? Yeah, it's unclear. So, like, there's this rebellion of villagers that being led by a, you know, a beautiful Mitsu. Mitsu, and he's he's crushing them, much to the uh, despair of his <coughs> of his son, who is madly in love with Mitsu and may or may not be aiding the peasant rebellion. But in the sake for the sake of preserving tradition, Noriaga is is crushing them. And Walker is aiding him He's with arms and armor, and just facilitating the the horrors and the the bloodshed that I, ensued. I think Walker's just a hardworking businessman. Really, to make a buck. Okay. He's so a forerunner of the trends of globalization and world trade. It's just economics, <laughs> right? That's it. 
simple, straight, straight, <laughs> straightforward economics. One, one moment I did want to just just mention, well, a couple of things. Uh, we talked about the costumes in the the context of the turtles, but we should we should just take a moment to talk about the cost Splinter's costume. <laughs> Red, Red Bandit, what did you think of Splinter's look? It's uh, fraying around the edges a little bit. Yeah, do you think that this was like the same costume from the movie, however many years earlier, or did it had been like? In somebody's attic or basement, <laughs> kind of kicked around, rented out for parties. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they realized that they needed to, to to save some money, and they're like, "Hey, dude, like, did you still have that costume?" He's like, "Shit, man, like, yeah, but like, my dog peed on it." He's like, "Whatever, he's a rat." Wait, so he's a a puppet though. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you never yeah. see his lower body. He's always yeah. like appearing in a window or something. Right, exactly. He also, I think his English got worse by the third movie. Really? He sounds a lot more Japanese in this movie. Interesting. Huh. Okay. His hands look like mantises. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare mantises. <laughs> uh, pretty horrifying. He doesn't have the best personal hygiene. I mean, I think that's the takeaway. Yeah, I mean, he really is wearing, like, the soiled robe. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets up out of his chair. It's, he uh, hasn't bathed in I, years. He's kind of given up on life. He's, <laughs> he's basically a non-factor in this movie. Yeah. Which brings me to my other big disappointment. Please. Casey Jones. Oh, God. I feel like... Disappointment. I was really excited to see him. Yeah. But he's basically unused. Yeah, well, I mean, what, he basically babysits... A bunch of samurai bros. Yeah. And he's got the hockey stick. We're hoping he's going to use it, and he yeah. never does. Yeah. There are a couple moments where like, he kind of waves it around as if he might use it, but then yeah. he never actually does. We do see him tape it up, though. We see him tape up yeah. the handle. So, I mean, that that's pretty cool. Now you get a little bit of behind the scenes, like what he's doing at home. We see him give Paige Turco the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But and, but in a way, he's got a, a double role here, because not only does, does the actor who plays Casey Jones, reprises his role as Casey Jones, he also plays Wit, who is a scoundrel. And Please. A knave. Pop, pop. What did you think of Wit? Uh, I was kind of ambivalent about Wit. Okay. You could tell he had a heart. Okay. Uh, but he was, uh, he was a liar and a spy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think he should... A rogue. A rogue, if you will. Um... You know, his advances on, on Paige Turco were rebuffed, mm -hmm. uh, despite that shower scene that they were both in. Yeah. Um, wow, that was hot. Do you feel like he wanted to get out, though? I feel like he wasn't really happy with his life. Yeah. And when he approached her and he's like, take me with you. Yeah. He's, and, and she declines. Yeah. I feel like he's trapped, in a way. Yeah. And it's tragic. Yeah. So he, he's trying to find his way back back in New York. Casey Jones is, is babysitting while these these once great Japanese warriors quickly devolve into diaper fights. And Splinter is as high as a kite. I mean, I think he, he might be... Splinter's not doing anything. Smoking a little something on the side. That's why his eyelids are so heavy. Then there's there there are a number of uh, little little nods, little homages throughout the movie to other superior movies. One of which happens, I mean, I thought that there were a lot of nods to, to Star Wars. Uh, the dungeon where oh. April and some of the turtles are kept is very reminiscent of where the Rancor, Rancor lives. And, and the Rancor Keeper. And the Rancor Keeper. I mean, it could be the same from, from Jedi. Uh, and then when when uh, they they make their escape, they they dive headlong into a garbage chute, 
which yep. is uh, you know the exact lift from from episode four. And she says, "Some rescue this is." Like, yeah, like uh, Leia. Like Leia, and it's funny when they land in the muck at the end of the shoot. There's a sequence where everybody has a hilarious punchline, and we're going to get into some of these jokes in a minute, but I just have to relay one. So it happens, they all land like face first in this muck, and then the first turtle picks up his head, and it takes him some time to clear out his mouth, because he's got all kinds of grime and dirt and mud and, and grass in it, and he spits it out, and he says, ugh, I hate spinach. And then the second one, the second one, uh, Raphael, who's always a little pissed off, he, he just says, ah, oh, I'm really in here. And then the third I'm, one. I'm really in here. Yeah. yeah That's not even he's, trying he's to be so a joke. He's cracking wise. <laughs> and then, And then the third one is Donnie, and he, he basically, he's, he's like, man, I hate, I hate mud wrestling. <laughs> Because they're covered in mud. And then, and then the fourth one, it, it says, Help, I'm a turtle and I can't get up. It's a great comic suit choice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's brilliant. But I feel like that captures a lot of the, a lot of the humor. What did, what did you guys think? Yeah, the jokes just weren't. <laughs> I, I mean, what you mentioned earlier. Ooh, having a good hair day. Like, it's just confusing. I don't know what I'm supposed to think. Like, what about having a lampshade on your head? That's pretty funny. Yeah, if, <laughs> if I'm literally a baby. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh. yeah no, they, they, they say swing. Like like Wayne's World, they say Hammer Time. I mean, there's a lot of cultural references throughout. You know, that when when Michelangelo saves a kid from a fire, he's like, "Yeah, eat your heart out, Kurt Russell." <laughs> I mean, that's a joke that just endures very well to this day. He calls uh, Walker John Wayne. <laughs> John Wayne, yeah. There's a number of these a number of these references that are just priceless, priceless and hilarious. Uh, there's also a nod to Apocalypse Now. When Michelangelo is is recovering, and the only thing that was missing was just Brando reading from his journal. Well, we have these these little Japanese children staring, Un staring faces, yeah. staring through the wall, staring through the slats of the the little hut there. So, from Star Wars to Apocalypse Now, I mean, this movie covers a lot of ground, and Highlander, of course, covers a lot of ground. What do you guys think of Niles and his chronic wet willies? Pop up. I think I might have slept through that. I, I... Oh, help him out, Red Bandit. Who was now as the henchman? Yeah. Yeah, you got some wet willies. <laughs> <laughs> Man, when it's wet willy time, he by the end, did you see he... He, he did it to himself. He, he did it to himself. It's crazy. He knew it was coming. He knew it was coming, and he was like, you can't beat him, join him. Can we talk a little bit about the romance? Sure, there were a number of them. Yeah. A I... bit of a love triangle. We see for the first time the turtles moving beyond simple lust mm. into love. <laughs> <laughs> and Michelangelo really develops serious feelings for, for Mitsu. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit of an unrequited, <laughs> unrequited love. But just think about if it wasn't unrequited, what that would have been like. What it would look like. I'm going to put this out here, though. I think Mitsu 
is a bit of a bitch because she's leading him on. Really? Yeah, I think she's hmm. happy to have the turtles around as long as they're fighting her enemies. Yeah. yeah. But as yeah. soon as that's over, she's like, well, you should really go back to New York now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's teasing him. And then the second affair was Raphael with Yoshi. Yes. Yeah. That, I thought, was very dark. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's kind of a switcheroo. Because the first... Ninja Turtles film it was very dark, gritty, grimy, yeah. but the themes were like, oh, hey. Brotherhood. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in this film, I mean, you know, the costumes suck, the jokes are <laughs> stupid, like, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like the film was written for five-year-olds, and... By five-year-olds. <laughs> by five-year-olds, <laughs> yeah. And yet, there, and yet it deals with, like, sort of issues, very dark, gritty issues, like pedophilia, um... <laughs> You know, there are a couple scenes where he's gripping Yoshi from behind, and I can't tell whether there's I'm a mouth to mouth watching. Sequence with yeah, Yoshi. there's a mouth to mouth sequence. Uh, like I can't tell whether I'm watching a Ninja Turtles film or a, or a PSA against like child abuse. Like, it's just kind of kind of disturbing. Don't, don't trust the man in the turtle suit. <laughs> what do you make? Yeah, what do you make out of Yoshi's yo-yo? <laughs> he had a yo-yo. <laughs> I, see, I think it was the innocent love of a turtle for a young Japanese boy. <laughs> I think it was Raphael reaching out to a young, troubled youth with anger issues. There you go. Because he had been through it himself when he was trying to scare him straight. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't play with swords, kid. You're going to end up in a war. Yeah. Choose kites instead. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but what about the... all the clown themes? <laughs> a lot of sound effects. Um, <laughs> to make up for the crappy script. And the, I, I mean, there was just that, that just goes to show how far down in the barrel they were scraping here. Mm. I mean, they've just... They have to use clown noises. Um, I do feel like they lost a bit of the edge. Not so much in the second, but in the first movie. The battles are kind of tense. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, there's some scary stuff that happens in the first movie, and Shredder's pretty scary. Yeah, like that scene at the end up on the roof. Sure. Basically just getting the crap kicked out of Right. Like, you don't know how that's going to turn yeah. out. Well, I feel like the, well, the first movie absolutely was heavily inspired by the early comics. So it has a very different aesthetic and, and vibe and feel than the popular cartoon series at the time. Yeah. And then in the second movie, I think that they, they wanted to kind of backpedal on the darkness and make it more accessible for kids. And my sense, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that by the time this third one came out... The wind was really out of the sails of the Ninja Turtles, you know, sailboat at that point. They were, they'd lost their momentum. Whereas when the first movie came out, it was like really hitting the pinnacle. The second movie was still kind of riding the wave. And this one, like, it was pretty much the last gasp. Is that right or wrong? What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, my Ninja Turtle action figure collection was going pretty strong in 93. 93? Okay, great, great. And you were only, what, 32 at that point? Yeah. But I agree. I think the, the first one actually had something special in that it, it tried to tell a real emotional story yeah. with turtles. Right. And it let, it let the power of the emotions dictate the battles rather than the clown noises. Yes, yes. Now, what did you think that they were trying to say? I mean, just to go back to the little sub-theme sub or the subplot line with, with Casey Jones and his hockey academy about what happened to the honor guard when when they came to America. So I mean this is this is the best and the brightest, the most noble of of Noriaga's team. 
And uh, what, what happens after just a day in, in New York City? Yeah, they got soft. Uh, they started eating a lot of junk food, watching violent TV, and emulating. Yeah. Not just watching, but emulating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then getting of... drunk at clubs and, yeah. and dancing with, with each other. Um, American decadence. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Another, another common thing that came up more than once was birds. <laughs> now, you notice that Walker, and, and this is something I really need both of your help on, because I, I didn't quite understand the end of the movie. Uh, beginning with the part where the, and this is a big spoiler alert, well. uh, when, the, when the turtles are surrounded and completely trapped by Walker and his men, there's a series of events that unfold that really didn't make much sense to me, but conclude with, with Walker like just in a panic on the run, and he's about to escape, but he doubles back to get the birds, yeah. and that ends up him dissolving into water where a splash noise is made but there is no splash mm-hmm. so could you guys walk me through what happened to le- to cause him to flee and then also how it's physically possible to dissolve into a black like ink spot yeah. that you know envelops on itself yeah I, I think I think literally the plot just ran out of steam <laughs> like, whoever was writing this was like you know what screw it I've yeah. spat in the audience face the entire film yeah. we're just gonna try to build up to some dramatic moment logic be damned I have a alternative theory please I think Walker was actually on his own time travel mission because <gasps> if you look at history Europeans were not in Japan <laughs> during that period <laughs> selling guns and I think Walker was actually from probably the 1800s and uh-huh. then he transported back. Mm-hmm. And then the reason he didn't splash is that he was transported back to his own time before he hit the water. That Whoa. is the best possible explanation. That that makes it much easier for Or me. they didn't have the special effects budget. <laughs> <laughs> Any smart money tips? Uh, yeah, there's a couple. Yes, uh, let's do it! It's time for Smart Money Tip of the Week from the Possum Times with the Red Bandit. Number one smart money tip is uh, buying vintage Japanese shit at, at yard sales. Because <laughs> you never know what you'll get. Sometimes you get a gem. Number two is more of a fashion tip. Yeah. I really was into the sort of chef's apron underwear yeah. that the Japanese samurai were winning. Yeah. And I think... You know, it's something that could catch on. Yeah. You know, if you're in your underwear, but you want to eat, and you're worried yeah. that you might spill in your chest, <laughs> you a little bib on. <laughs> and number three is hockey in Japan. Okay. I just, I saw that these honor guard were so into hockey, and yeah. I just think hockey's going to explode in a big way in Japan. Awesome. That's helpful. Invest now. <laughs> Any other any other thoughts before we do uh, uh, closing thoughts and final grades? Mm-hmm. All right, you want to kick it off, Red Bandit? Sure. Uh, so I'm sort of torn. I thought comedy was great. <laughs> <laughs> Cinematography was beautiful. <clears throat> Action was okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna have to ding it, and the main reason was there's no monsters in this. Okay. Well, except the turtles themselves. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. But one of the best things about <clears throat> Turtles and Turtles 2 are the monsters. Okay. Uh, you know, and 
we don't see that here. I think that's a key part of the turtle's formula, and it's missing, so I'm going to go B. Okay. Pop-pop. Uh, I think they should have called this film Teenage Mutant Ninja Toilets. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <Burn>. Ouch. <laughs> you know, this film does have some things going for it. Uh, Paige Turco. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a uh, Paige Turco fan club? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the return of Casey Jones, which I, I think, I mean, just the fact that he reappeared was enough for me. Even if he did just watch Japanese men eat pizza all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't get over this com- the, the comparison, the implicit comparison with, with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1. And the greediness, and there was... There was uh, there was real drama. I mean, there was there was violence. There was people getting yeah. killed. There yep. was delinquency, uh, and you know all these other things that that apparently children's entertainment doesn't think that children can handle anymore. So they, <coughs> so they throw this pablum, this this disgusting, <laughs> nonsensical, just idiotic. I, I mean, just. <laughs> so I'm going to give this movie a a straight up D, D, solid D. Okay. Well, I was just trying to think through my my thoughts on this one. I I agree with a lot of what you guys were talking about throughout the podcast, uh, where it's almost not comparable to the to the first movie. It, it's it's kind of a standalone thing in, unto itself. Just some notes. I thought that the act the action sequences ranged from poor predominantly to occasionally mediocre. <laughs> I thought the script, as we've all talked about, a lot of the one liners were pretty terrible. I also thought that the pacing was a bit off. Like, there wasn't really a good, strong sense of a beginning, middle, and end to this movie. I felt like it meandered kind of around, and then all of a sudden it wasn't on anymore. The acting, I'm sorry, I have to disagree, Pop Pop. I thought that that Paige Turco was not not a very good actress. Mm. Uh, I I just, I felt like she was, was like, pretending to act or something. It was her delivery was was a bit off. I thought some of the other actors did a did a better job, particularly Noriaga. I thought he was very strong. It was just generally a very weird weird movie. With that said, strangely watchable. It was strangely watchable. I mean, we've watched this movie as a group at least half a dozen times. Just fun this week <laughs> yeah just this week i mean in our in our bunkhouse club and, <laughs> and uh, our the pt den yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean clearly clearly it, it's watchable and fun and you know, I'm just gonna. This is gonna be one of those ones I just chalk up as a straight up B movie, and I, I give it a B minus. And that's all I got. This has been the Possum Times. Hey, Possum Times fans, Double T's here. You can reach out to the Possum Times gang via email at possumcast at gmail.com and via Twitter at possumcast. Let me, the Red Bandit, and Pop Pop know what you're thinking. Suggestions for movies to review are welcome.